This show is supported by Silverbird, your business account for international trade. You're listening to Trading Places from Silverbird. Hello there. I'm Rachel Williamson, the host of Trading Places, a fortnightly show that tells the story of international trade through the eyes of global experts and merchants in the thick of it. Each episode will see us dive into the past, present and future of different commodities, giving you an insight into the highs and lows that our guests have faced as they seek success. And to kick things off, we're heading to Nigeria. For many in the business world, oil is what Nigeria is known for. And many people are not aware of its rich agricultural legacy. Before we realized the potential in cashew production, in Nigeria, the farmers were only interested in cashew fruits and not the nuts. This is Josephine Okoji, a financial journalist and agricultural analyst based in Lagos. Um, When farmers started seeing opportunities in cashew production, there was a change of narrative. In the sense that they realized the economic potential in the north, so they shifted their focus to cashew nut production. And they also saw opportunities in exports, so they were scaling, expanding their production areas. And was it mainly Nigeria-based companies that were fueling this change of narrative, Josephine? Olam was one of the first um, companies that came into Nigeria and started um, tapping the opportunities in the cashew value chain, and they wanted quality. So they were training farmers, they were educating them, so they were giving farmers improved seed varieties and all these boosted activities around that industry. Olam, which is based in Singapore but has factories throughout Asia, began as a Nigerian cashew exporter in 1989 and is now a huge player in the global agriculture game. It turned Nigeria into the sixth largest cashew exporter in the world today. But that's a position Nigeria is quickly ceding to rival African states like Ivory Coast and Benin. It's to the extent that some Nigerian traders are secretly moving their product into those neighbouring countries in order to get their cashews more easily accepted into key markets like Europe. Nigeria's share of global cashew production fell from 26% in 2012 to less than 3% today after prices slumped and as years of neglect of major infrastructure began to make itself felt. When the government focused on oil, the infrastructure for agriculture were left the way it was. And over the years, those infrastructures collapsed because they were not being maintained. Nothing was done about those infrastructure. They totally collapsed for so many years. Olam might have begun in Nigeria, but Nigeria is no longer its only game, which has consequences for Nigerian cashew traders. Olam is a massive beast at the moment, especially in terms of cashews, because they've got operations across West Africa. They've got in India, they've got in, in Vietnam. So for them, their experience of cashews is kind of different from the way a lot of other cashew players in in Africa will experience it because most of the other players in Africa are small. 
Ayodele Olajiga founded a cashew processing business in Eloran, the capital of Kwara State in Nigeria. As a former investment banker, he's no stranger to taking risks and decided to shift focus to cashews around the time of the 2008 financial crisis. I was based in South Africa and we were looking at how South Africa has managed to you know, go through the crisis and, you know, it was, I mean, there were difficult times, but relatively okay because most of what was being consumed in South Africa was produced in South Africa. And I thought you could do the same in Nigeria, how you identify things that Nigeria is importing in the food space. And if you produce them locally, you get reduced dependence on imports and then also in return creates sustainable economic growth. So you moved into cashews. How about your dealings with Olam then? My first interaction with them was in my banking days, which was just looking at their business and seeing how we could support them as a bank. And then obviously when I got involved in cashews, I tried to look at what they were doing. And what does that mean for how you operate? So because Olam is able to play across the value chain from trading all the way to owning large processing plants in in Asia, they have a different experience of the cashew trade compared to everybody else because they can decide from year to year where it makes sense to play in West Africa. So sometimes depending on what's happening with pricing, it makes sense to simply just trade raw cash and all out of out of West Africa into their plants in Asia. I put the question of raw exports to Josephine. Nigeria was exporting almost 100% of its cashew nut raw. That percentage today has reduced to about 90%. One negative thing about Ola is that when they started in Nigeria, they were going directly to the farms to source for their raw cashew nut, and this is against the globally acceptable standards. The international practice is true the commodity exchange or licensed warehouses. And what this means is that some of the farmers they were dealing with at that time were not getting fair prices. So I asked Ayodele about how this affects the Nigerian cashew industry on the ground. I think it's a it's an interesting question because on the one hand, you know, if you're a trader of uh, raw cashew nuts, then you're very happy because there's this thing that people come every year offer you money for and they go away you know after a couple of weeks or two months or thereabout but when you think about it that way yeah fantastic these guys will fly in buy cashews you ship them to asia they're processed mostly in vietnam and then they shipped to to europe and the us and if you visit vietnam you see this massive factories that are providing employment uh, for people you kind of ask yourself, well, potentially some of these jobs could be in those communities where these producers come from. So what exactly happened in Nigeria to make it a raw material supplier rather than an end-to-end producer, manufacturer and exporter? And was it always this way? Well, this is where oil comes back into the picture and what is known as the resource curse. This is a phenomenon where countries with an abundance of a natural resource, like oil, have lower economic growth and more inequality 
because that one resource crowds out all other parts of the economy. Nigeria discovered its oil before its independence in 1960. So in the 60s and 70s, agriculture was the main driver of the Nigerian economy. But after independence, the country started focusing on oil. And oil, the black gold, as they call it, became the single driver of the Nigerian economy, agriculture. And then in 2016, when um, there was oil price volatility, the oil price dropped to its lowest and the country needed. That's foreign exchange. So government had a rethink that the economy should not just be dependent solely on oil. So it's renewed government's interest in agriculture. And what about political or economic challenges? Now, when the government focused on agriculture, the infrastructure that would drive growth and productivity in the sector were now lacking. And those are the fundamental issues or challenges we have today in Nigerian agriculture. We must fix the huge gaps from road to rail infrastructure. It is also very crucial that the government makes adequate investment in mechanization. Those are the physical challenges, but there are also intangible barriers too. Ayodele, what needs to be done to change the reputation of Nigerian cashews from bulk commodity to premium product? In our case, we saw that the next thing to do is create consumer products because the margins are better. And then also you could then push a significant portion of that product in your local market. And then if you could get that product to um, international standard, then you could be something that you also are able to export. Uh, and that kind of trade is a lot better than currently what happens because that kind of trade is, you know, it's not a commodity, it's a branded product. The margins are better. You're creating work domestically. You're earning foreign exchange you know, for, them, for the market you're playing in. The oil resource curse effectively stopped Nigeria's agriculture sector from advancing. Neglect by policymakers in all parts of the value chain, from growers through to infrastructure, means Nigeria's cashew industry is stuck as a raw exports producer only. And that's a hard cycle to break out of. But there seems to be a new generation of Nigerians like Ayodele who are not only up to the challenge of creating a thriving end-to-end cashew industry for financial reasons, but as he mentioned, important social ones too. There are 101 reasons why you shouldn't go into agriculture in Nigeria. But I can give you 102 reasons why you should. This is Shona Prest. And like Ayodele, she came from a very different background before getting into the cashew business. She actually left the cash-saturated oil industry for cashews. There was this wonderful story that you told about your cousin, who when you told him you were getting into cashews, said, you're going to have to eat them all yourself. He did. I was excited. I always looked at the possibilities of being in agriculture and I really did look at cashews and I thought it'd be a great investment to make. And so I told him, thinking I'd stumbled on a gold mine that nobody was aware of. And this cashew business is really good. And he looked at me with all seriousness and said, Shauna, 
cashews, you know, the way they would even people, yeah, cashews, you can't be possibly be serious. He said, I mean, I'll tell you what's going to happen with all those cashews. You're going to end up eating them. It is just not viable. It's not the right environment. Um, and it just doesn't make any sense. How do you go from selling oil to cashew business? So I left thinking, oh, he's so wrong about this. He has no idea. But um, yes, but I was to learn different things along the way about the business myself. It's not as straightforward as one might think. You said your cousin and other Nigerians don't find the cashew industry sexy. Shona, why do they think this? We live in an elitist society and the people who come to the cities want to work in the banks and, you know, they want to be in oil and gas. They want to be lawyers and doctors. And the discovery of oil was really a hindrance for us because we no longer paid attention to agriculture because we now had purchasing power. The petrodollars allowed us to be able to import. So we start to import and people abandoned their farms. The people who did have farms are no longer interested in farming. I remember growing up as a child, we used to have lots of fresh produce on the roadside. You could buy sugar canes, you could buy pineapples, you could buy mangoes. That doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. We just abandoned agriculture because we found oil. So oil was the gift and the curse. And has that somehow changed perceptions, caused people to believe that locally produced products are not as good? Um, it's a mindset also, believing that foreign goods are better than locally manufactured goods, aspirations of people wanting to get out as opposed to, you know, looking inwards. And all of these things, I think, have played a factor in, in the demise of the industry. But despite the challenges, you still believe in a better tomorrow? Fortunately, they, they've given out loans and they've given out grants to assist people. It's not enough, but at least compared to when I started eight years ago, a microscope has been put on it. And there's a huge incentive to grow the industry, realizing they need to invest in technology. But another aspect that we have a huge problem with terrorism. And that has actually hindered the agriculture industry a lot. It's not just agricultural and economic hurdles. There's also the matter of security and climate change. Nigeria has had an insecurity crisis for a very long time, but it has become more intense. Now, issue of insecurity for decades, it has concentrated in the northern region. A few years ago, the issue of insecurity is spreading towards the south. It's becoming more intense, it's escalating. So farmers in the south that cultivate tree crops like cashew, who ought to be expanding and not doing so over fear of insecurity. So this is all really affecting agricultural productivity. How big an effect is climate change for Nigeria's cashew farmers? If you've asked me this question in 2019, I would say it wasn't an issue. But in 2020, I would say it is a big issue for Nigerian farmers. Climate change for farmers, they used to believe is something of the future. But now it's here, it's with us. Because they started seeing farming cycle changing rainfall pattern changing. So things are not what they used to be before. 
like um, this particular cashew season, there was no amatan. And a lot of them became skeptical. Josephine, may I just ask, what is hamatan? It is a seasonal sheen of fine dust from the Sahara Desert that blows over West Africa and affects Nigeria during the dry months. So amatan helps the cashew to retain its moisture content. So for this season, there was no amatan in key cashew-producing states. And then, of course, it's hard to not mention the elephant in the room, the pandemic. Cashew prices in Nigeria more than halved in April 2020 after COVID-19 lockdowns meant farmers couldn't move their crops from farm to factory. And with government officials staying home, certifications and permits almost completely shut down too. It's estimated by industry associations that the strict two-month initial lockdown caused losses of almost 74 million US dollars for the cashew industry. When COVID showed up, uh, basically what happened was if you were in the cashew business, depending on which part of it you found yourself, it was devastating. So for us, because of lockdown, basically shut down our entire supply chain. So we couldn't get produce into the supermarkets. So we kind of had to switch to the online market, which was doing you know, direct-to-consumer. I mean, for those who are exporting uh, at the time, your containers are probably stuck in the ports. And every day that is not moving, it's losing value because it's deteriorating. That sounds really tough. I mean, we saw a reduction, obviously, in, in sales numbers, but it very quickly, you know, ramped up back to the levels that we were used to. But the, the effect of COVID was, you know, it was, it was not great at all. So considering the many obstacles you've faced and the lessons that you've learned, is there a personal sense that things are improving in the cashew industry and that future generations may be able to reap some of the rewards? I, I feel when I look at Nigeria and I look at the rest of West Africa, I think that someone like myself and people who have the opportunity and the privilege, you know, one important role we have to play in society is creating opportunity for others, especially sustainable opportunities. Because I see a lot of, you know, things that have been done is they are more to exploit people, not necessarily to to give them the dignity of work or think about, okay, look, how do we... How do we build a society that is sustainable? And for me, I look at Nigeria and I say, look, if, if we don't accelerate the rate at which we're creating employment for people, we're looking after the current generation and thinking of the future generation. And yeah, so, so that's why you will find me, even though some of these projects can be very difficult and frustrating. Uh, I still, you know, I still will keep doing that. And as we look to the future... Nigeria certainly has a lot of aspirations for its agricultural sector generally, which includes significant investments. I asked Shona what this means for cashews. To be honest, I think it's going to have a positive impact. Um, Nigeria already being the largest producer in Africa. In terms of investments, the government is definitely focused on it. You know, they've actually picked cashew out and said, you know, we need more investment there. And they really want to increase the production. And they're currently producing about 250,000 tons per year. And they do hope to grow that. 
to 2.5 million tons in the next 25 years. It's ambitious, but let's see. And Josephine has some interesting observations about changes that are occurring too, particularly when it comes to the kind of financing that's now available to Nigeria's farmers. And there's also a new generation of Nigerians starting to see the agriculture sector in a very different way from their older peers. With the Nigerian government refocus on agriculture, we've been able to achieve two things. It has attracted a lot of investments into the sector in terms of capital. Prior to now, agriculture funding was inadequate. Farmers couldn't access funds they needed to expand. But with government refocus on agriculture, a lot of money came into the sector. So farmers could get loan at a single digit interest rate. So we're having a lot of banks now looking at agriculture, funding farmers, giving them loans. Now, a farmer can access agricultural loan even for up to three, four years. Cashew is a tree crop, so they are long-term investments. Banks don't like giving long-term investments, but now we're having some banks who are giving long-term loans. Another positive was making youth interested in agriculture. The youth didn't see farmers as someone that could inspire them. Every youth wants to work in the tech sector because there you make money. But when you look at the farmer, he can't even feed himself. He can't send his children to good schools. So there was nothing inspiring about them that the youth would see. But all that is changing. We're seeing a lot of youth now getting involved in agriculture. And they are changing the way agriculture used to be. If I came to you, Josephine, and said, I've got the capital, I'm really keen on agriculture, I have no idea how to go about it, but I would be interested in getting involved in the cashew industry, what would you say to me? So the first thing you consider is your market. Who would you be selling to? After investing your commodity, who would be buying from me? So you must first of all, get your market. The next question is, what um, part of the value chain do I want to be involved? Is it the primary production? Do I want to cultivate? Or I just want to come in between the value chain, source from farmers, add value, and supply my market. So you must be sure of your point of entry. The rebirth of Nigeria's cashew industry began over 30 years ago, but it's taken a series of international crises to push it to the front of the national agenda and shift cashews from subsistence farming to essential export. The 2008 financial crisis forced the government to think seriously about diversifying away from oil, and the COVID-19 pandemic made Nigerians realise they had to look inwards for their food supply. But today, there are challenges that weren't there in the past. Climate change has stopped the rains, and it's changing the weather fast. Armed conflict and the deterioration of critical infrastructure, such as roads and ports, threaten to frustrate the cashew industry before it's reached its potential. But risking it all is a new generation of cashew business people. They're increasingly backed by government resources and investment, and they're willing to take a chance on the opportunities cashews pose. Thanks for listening to us today on Trading Places from Silverbird.